Hello, everyone. This is Bola from Clever Girl Finance, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So, when it comes to personal finance, typically the main focus is on the outcome. It's on getting to the point where you are financially successful and you are financially secure. But it's also very important to discuss the transitions and the emotions that lead you to that financial success and what it feels like to be on that journey, including the peaks and valleys. So to have this conversation on the podcast today, I have invited an amazing lady and a friend of mine. Her name is Xenia Verai. And Xenia is the owner of a women's clothing boutique in Brooklyn that's focused on building community and teaching women how to empower themselves. Her business and boutique is called Myths of Creation, and that's mythsofcreation.com. And on this episode, Xenia and I have a very honest conversation about her money story and on money in general. She shares her emotions around money, how she's gotten to the point where she feels deserving of financial success and financial wellness. She shares the role money played in her upbringing, the lies she was telling herself about money, why she wasn't putting money on the top of her priority list, and her now changed thinking around money, plus her goals for financial success now and in the future. I also got completely vulnerable with Xenia because she pulled it out of me um, in our conversation about my own personal challenges around being deserving and proud of my own financial success. So this was just a really awesome conversation to have with Xenia. And one of the really cool things is that Xenia and I are in the same business incubator. So we're in a business program that is focused on helping us grow and scale our businesses. And I actually met her a few months ago. So you'll hear us talk a little bit about this in this episode. And I'll actually do another episode in the future where I share, you know, a clerical finance update. And I'll talk a little bit more about this incubator um, with you guys as well. But Xenia is such an amazing and incredible woman. And I'm so happy that I got a chance to share her with you on the podcast. But before we get into this episode with Xenia, if you are in New York City or you're going to be in New York City on March 10th, 2018, I'm actually having my first ever workshop um, in the city and I would love for you to attend if you're in the area. You can learn more about it at clevergirlfinance.com slash NYC. It's going to be a fun event and a great opportunity for me to meet you and for you to meet me as well and also some other really amazing women. You'll be able to connect and network with them. We're going to be talking about how to apply the cornerstones of wealth building to your current financial situation, no matter what it might be, how to find a job that pays you what you're worth um, and a job that you love. And we're also going to be delving into how to find joy in your past mistakes and failures and use them to catapult yourself to massive success. And I'm going to have a group of amazing women speaking on each of these different topics, including myself. And it's just going to be an awesome event. So if you're in New York City on March 10th, please join us. And you can learn more about this workshop at clevergirlfinance.com slash NYC. Also, I would love for you guys to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and you can also listen to episodes and subscribe on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. I would also be very, very grateful. I would be so thankful if you can head over to iTunes and leave a review of the podcast if you have loved the episodes you've been listening to. This will help other people find the podcast and also help with this podcast's ranking um, on iTunes. So I'd really, really appreciate it if you can head over and leave a review. View. And finally, if it's been a while since you stopped by clevergirlfinance.com, I have a ton of new content as usual. I'm always um, writing blog posts on fun financial topics, maybe not so fun ones, but I break it down to make it easy to understand and something that you will enjoy reading. So stop by there and also subscribe to the website too, so you can get access to my resource library and so that you can also get my weekly newsletter where I share a ton of really great financial insights and money tips to help you improve your finances. 
finances. So let's get into this episode with Xenia. Hey, Xenia, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited that we finally got to schedule time to have this conversation. I know, me too. Busy, busy. (laughs) I know. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everyone, tell them who you are and what you do. So my name is Zinia Virai, and I have a small women's boutique in Brooklyn, which actually is like a really experimental space. It started as a place that I wanted to serve my community because I found that there were no affordable boutiques in walking distance from my house. And what I am learning now is that people come there um, to feel good, to learn and to feel better. So I just bring that up because while it is technically a women's clothing boutique, we really focus on building community and um, teaching women how to empower themselves. And I love it. And we've had several conversations. For, for So for those of you guys listening, Xenia and I are actually cohort sisters. We are in the same business incubator and we're both working on growing our businesses. And we've had a lot of conversations about just, you know, women and overall well-being and how they feel and relationships and finances. And so I think you're going to be such, this is going to be such a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted, you know, you to share a little bit about your own personal story with money. So I would say I have always been one of those people that puts money's importance on the bottom of my list of priorities. If you were to ask me a list of, you know, why do I run my business? Why do I do what I do? Money is always at the bottom. I have always had this really optimistic outlook. And my point of view has always been, if you do something you love, money will come. I am learning and have learned for some time that it's really disempowering to give away the flow of give away the way you think money flows to you to the universe and say that you have nothing to do with it right that's just like really a passive way of looking at the world and while I do still think that we should think about what it is that our natural gifts are in the world looking at the world that way has really brought me into situations where I found that I was never planning. I was never, I never felt like I had enough to create a plan. And so as a kid, a lot of the time with my parents, they never talked about money. Um, When I grew up, my mom ended up telling me, you know, like the school we sent you to, we, that was really hard for us. That was a lot of debt for us, but I never wanted you to know how hard it was for us because I didn't want you to go through what I went through when I was a kid because my mom grew up with really nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. when she was a kid, they were going to their richer neighbors, their richer cousins' houses for the dented cans kind of thing. Um, so she didn't want me to know about it. And I love that I'm talking to you about this because I recently learned so much about your money story and I'm sure your listeners know, but I know your experience has been completely opposite of mine in that rather than protecting you from the, from what money is and how it works, I know you were brought up with a deep understanding of how money works. And so you felt really empowered to share mm-hmm. that and understand that with people. So my money story has always been, you're a child, <laughs> let the grownups take care of it and you just work on you and you mm-hmm. just work on having fun. And that's really carried on into my adulthood. 
um, until very recently a lot because we're in this class together and because I have my own (laughs) business and I have, you know, rent and employees and you can't be living that way when you have other people to be accountable to. That's so important. And there's just so many things that you said that I relate to. I mean, you talked about feeling or having that sense of if you do what you love, the money will come. And I actually do agree with that. I do feel like when you put yourself and your whole self with your passion and your feelings and your energy into a business, for instance, like we're doing, um, I think if you stay consistent with it and if this is something that you really want to do and you do it the right way, the money is going to come as a byproduct. But on the flip side, you also said that, you know, you feel like you can't just keep living, leaving um, your money to the universe and expect it to just, I guess, land on your lap. (laughs) And I also agree with that because there's a common saying that I grew up with, and it's basically um, God helps those who help themselves. And it just basically means that, yes, God is amazing. He can give you all these incredible things, but you have to take the action in order to prove yourself worthy for the reward. And in the case of money, it's planning or having some sort of plan or even at the very basic having some sort of goal what is it that you want to achieve financially and like you said in our class we have to address that we have to address the finances behind our business we have to address our business goals and all those things whether we like it or not <laughs> yeah <So. laughs> and completely and I think what's so interesting about what you're saying is like I I think that I think that when we talk about our intelligence, I find that we tell ourselves so many lies. And -hmm. what I mean by that is I would tell people, you know, there, I have a lot of insecurities. I'm sure a lot of people do, but one of the things I've always thought was like, I'm a really creative person. I love learning. And yet when you would talk to me about finance, I would say, well, I'm not good at that. I just kind of had decided a long time ago that it was something I wasn't good at because I just told myself that as a kid, someone else handles that. Mm -hmm. And What I've learned is that if you love learning, you can be literate at anything like, yes, you know, you can learn to cook, you can learn to, you know, be organ, you can learn anything. And saying that you are just not good at something you haven't tried, which is what I find with personal finance. I know so many people say I'm bad with money who have never even tried to put together a plan is it can't be true because you haven't tried. I get that so much. I'm bad with money. I'm not good with money. And then I always have to ask them, but why do you think that, right? And typically the answer I get is, well, you know, I tried this and I made a mistake and I'm just not good with money. But that's part of those mistakes are part of the process. You know, failure is what makes a success. And I think too many people just make that assumption of being bad with money from the first mistake or from the from the first negative experience or maybe the first few negative experiences. And they're like, oh, you know what? I'm just not good with money. It's not, me- you know, I'm not meant to be wealthy. I'm not meant to whatever it is. But I think that it's so important to embrace those failures and embrace those mistakes because the golden nuggets in those scenarios are the lessons that you learn. And those lessons that you learn is what is going to catapult you to success. And the way I'm saying it kind of sounds like, oh yeah, la-di-la, you know, simple. (laughs) It's not simple. It's going to take hard work. Like think of anything in your life you've ever 
you've ever accomplished and you look back at what it took for you to get there, you had to put in the work and you're going to, it's going to take work. It's going to take emotions. If you're like, if you're a crier like me, you're going to cry, you're going to get angry. You're going to, you know, like it's just, it's with any major thing you want to accomplish in your life. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I saw it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm actually really glad that you brought up emotions because I remember when I first met you and you told me what you did, I said to you, you know, I was just listening to this podcast where this functional um, doctor was talking about stress. And he said, this is a Canadian doctor who was an acupuncturist and now studies functional integrative medicine. He said, I notice that people get stressed about three things. And those three things are food, how to feed themselves, mm-hmm. the healthcare system and and finance, personal finance. Yep. <laughs> and he said, you know, we all go to school for most of us go to school. I won't say we all, but most of us who have the pleasure of listening to this podcast go to school for at least 12 years. And in those 12 years, we are not taught really about those three things, most of us. And so I think we come up in the world feeling like we're incredibly prepared and educated. And then when we come out of college Mm -hmm. or high school, it turns out that we don't know how to open a checking account that we don't know how to create a budget. And so I think we get this false idea that other people do know because we don't talk about it because we're ashamed of it. And I love that you bring up emotions because so much of what I have learned is that the only thing that gets in your way of seeing yourself clearly are the feelings that you, that you want to avoid that you're not, and you're not sure why they're there. You know, you're not sure why they're happening. Um, (laughs) So I think it's really important to talk about emotions because so many of the experts that I listen to who talk about, you know, neuroscience involving habit change or um, spirituality involving habit change or wanting to change your um, exercise routine, whatever it is, they talk about the fact that for most people, it's the chaos of the change that they're avoiding that they can't deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say like dealing, learning to deal with our emotions is part of learning how to deal with our finances, right? If it's something that, that makes us feel ashamed just to talk about it. You are a hundred percent correct. And, you know, I always say this and I'll keep saying it, being successful with money is not difficult. The actual skill, learning the skill of becoming good with money is not difficult and good money management is a skill. It's something you have to learn and practice. And, you know, like the way you study any subject, if you put in the effort, it's it's easy to learn, especially money. It's not like chemistry or physics or, you know, surgery or anything like that. It's a simple subject. The difficulty is self, right? Mm-hmm. And self is your emotion and your mindset. And that's what makes money such a difficult topic for many people, especially for women. Um, You can go on Google and type in how to save, how to pay off debt. You're going to get a million websites, a million articles with step by step by step by step, exactly what you need to do. You don't even need to think to do these steps. You just follow the instructions. But when we add in our emotion and our feelings and the baggage we carry and just, you know, things that come from people's experiences, upbringing, people that they surround themselves with, you know, past experiences, whatever it is, when we add all those things in, 
and tie in that emotion and mindset, it becomes so complex. And as women, we carry a lot of baggage. We carry the self-judgment. We carry the shame. We carry, you know, a lot of us will say we don't like to compete with other women or we don't compete with other women, but it's it's always there underlying because you look around you and your friends seem like they're doing xyz and you feel like you're not doing xyz and then you feel like you're behind that's all the emotion coming in and you know compounding that shame compounding that self-judgment and making you feel in that space you're like you know what i'm bad with money i can't do this or making you feel like you know what yolo i'm going to the mall to buy that expensive dress to make myself feel better <laughs> but the emotions yeah that. having a handle on your emotions is is really really important like it's and I'm an emotional person you know I cry a lot and you're gonna be emotional a lot of people think that the emotions just come with being in a bad place with your finances but the emotions are also going to come being in a good place with your finances Mm -hmm. (laughs) because again on the flip side let's say you now have all this money you're doing all this great stuff we're gonna feel guilty for being wealthy. It's, you know, a lot of people feel that way. You know, they feel guilty for not giving people more than they're giving. They may feel guilty or they may feel awkward for not wanting to look like they have money, you know? So it's really complex. And the emotions around finances are, you can't talk about money and becoming successful with money without addressing the emotional side of it. It's not possible. Yeah, it's not possible. And I think that it's really, it's great that you bring that up because for some people, like for me, when I think about dealing, learning about finances, that seems scary. When I think about learning how to handle my emotions, I I feel like I'm ready to dive into that. That feels like something I can do for whatever reason. That's just kind of my personality. But something I heard today, um, there's this other podcast I've been listening to called The Unmistakable Creative, and they were interviewing this neuroscientist, John Asaroff, and he was talking about how people's money stories and what he teaches his clients. And instead of talking about finance right away, the first thing that he talked about was how to deal with your feelings when you're creating uh, change. And when he, one thing he says is, if you just allow yourself to observe your emotions without judging them or fighting them, they will always take between 90 and 120 seconds to pass. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then they come and then they go. And if you just breathe through it after that, you can start to relax yourself. And when you relax yourself, the part of your brain that can problem solve and respond smartly instead of just reacting is activated and you can think about what just happened instead of launching yourself into, you know, a full, a full day of depression, (laughs) you know, that we will Um, do as women, we will do that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you know, it's such a simple tool and it's available to anyone and it's free. It's Mm -hmm. learning how to sit with your own discomfort for 90 to 120 seconds. And when you talk about money, it's like, I would just want to bring up that there's so much, I consider myself a pretty self-aware person, but I'm always finding out stuff that I had no idea about myself, basically at least once a week, something really big. (laughs) Like, wow, I didn't notice this thing that everyone else can clearly see. And I recently started going back to psychotherapy, um, which I hadn't done since my early twenties. And it's such a different experience now that I'm really ready to do the work. And I'm a little older. I'm 34 now. And one of the things that happened is we were talking about money 
And I just started crying at the word, at the mention of the word. I just started bawling. And I realize it's because it's like I hold too many ideas, too many feelings. It's not just one feeling. Yeah, I want money. Then it's about, do you deserve money? And then it's about, like you said, once you deserve it, who are you taking it from? Right? Mm -hmm. And I think the reality is you're not taking it from anyone. No, there's enough money in the world. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And yet we have this idea that that we're taking it from somebody when we get it. And I think it is really interesting as women because... If you're caretaking and you're nurturing, like I know that you're a mother, you know, I've, oh, I'm, I don't have kids, but I've always been very maternal. I, they always just say, you know, when you get on the plane and they give you the safety instructions, I always say, make sure to put on your oxygen mask before you secure exactly. those of the people exactly. because you can't help anyone if you aren't if you're drowning care. Yeah. Yeah. And that has been my number one challenge for me is I'm always trying to take care of other people first. And then I don't have anything to take care of them with because I didn't make time for that. So yeah, I think like the story, your story that you have about money, your personal story is probably a really much, much deeper for most people than they realize. And another thing I realize is a lot of the friends I have who I would consider good at money, um, good at handling money, like they, they'll say to me like, Oh, you know, that's kind of expensive. You're getting like this many iced coffees a day. <laughs> Cause I love iced coffee <laughs> and it is like, it's definitely OD. Like it's getting a little crazy, but I, I never, I always want to say like, well, you know, we're living in the mo I'm living in the moment. I'm living for, I'm enjoying my life right now. And this morning I was walking to yoga and I was thinking like, no, living for the moment isn't about like, indulging living for the moment also means like making the change right now and knowing that like it actually is going to help you. Yeah. That $2 that does make a difference. And knowing that those little things make a difference is much more empowering than feeling like who cares how much coffee I'll drink. Like I'll never have savings, you know, which is where I was coming from. Oh, um, oh my so God. Just, I love that. You said, I love that you, that ex- exactly. what you just said about just, living in the moment and understanding that it's not about the yellow blow all my money and go into debt right now. Cause I feel bad, <laughs> but it's also about taking the actions that is so important. And I think so many people misconstrue what living in the moment means. They, yeah. you know, so many people, there's such, you know, a misunderstanding of what that means. And I'm so, so glad that you mentioned that. And I was just also going to add that you talked about, you know, you being one of those people that wants to take care of other people, you think of yourself last. And I'll tell you that that is super common with women. You know, we give, we give, we give, we give in relationships to our children, to boyfriends, to husbands, to other people, relatives, family, whatever we give and give and give. And sometimes we think of ourselves last. And one of the, one of the things that I'm trying to push with my mission is we have to give ourselves permission to understand that we are deserving of taking care of ourselves. And we also have to be able to say no sometimes. And when you think about saying no, you always have to stop. You know, when you start feeling guilty about saying no, you always have to stop and put it in context of where you are now. So a simple example is, let's say somebody, a woman is in, I don't know, $100,000 of debt. Mm -hmm. 
and she's trying to pay off this debt and she knows that this debt is holding her back from pursuing the things she she wants to do in her life but she has a good income that maybe in two or three years she can pay off this debt right so she's in the position to pay it off she doesn't have all the money right now but she can pay it off in the next two to three years but then she has a boyfriend or cousin an auntie who is always asking to loan money always asking you know whenever they go out to eat she pays for it whenever they go shopping she pays for it she pays for all these things and she knows that she could be putting that money towards improving her financial situation by paying off her debts but she feels guilty because she can't say no to these people but when she looks at these people she's paying off she's paying all their you know paying for all their fun activities loaning them money and she's making herself responsible for taking care of other people who are not interested in being responsible for taking care of themselves Mm -hmm. you know so sometimes it's like if i keep loaning you money why are you in the position where I have to keep loaning you money, right? Because there's so many examples I've gotten from women where they've told me, oh, I loaned somebody money. I keep loaning my friend money and she's buying concert tickets. She's buying new shoes. I saw her photos on Instagram. She's on vacation. Why are you shouldering that responsibility for that person who doesn't care about themselves? You have to put yourself first and give yourself permission to be deserving and know that, okay, if I keep loaning you this money, there's no way I can pay off this $100,000. And me actually giving you this money is not money I can afford to give you because personally, I'm in a negative. I owe (laughs) $100,000. Yeah, and not only that, but... (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that. But I think something that people forget is like, I do this all the time. I always, when I feel people's pain, I want to shoulder, I want to help them. And what I learned, because I have a lot of spiritual practices, um, probably in the last three or four years, I started being really interested in thinking about, you know, that spirits and our souls. And I had a number of experiences I could tell you about, but I deeply believe that there are a lot of invisible energies that we don't know about. And I just bring that up because if you do believe in the soul and that we're here to learn lessons, that woman's lessons, the friend who's buying all those things with her other friend's money, that those lessons are hers. The lesson for her is being stolen by the friend who keeps shouldering the bill because she's preventing her from learning something. And that is, you know, you have kids, so you know, it's hard to watch your kid make a mistake and you want to fix it for them. But you know that if you fix that problem for them, that they'll never learn to fix that problem on their own. And that they'll also learn, I can't fix problems. My mom, someone else takes care of me. Someone else solves my problems because I can't do it by myself. And, you know, it's, it's different with a grown, a grown ass woman, but it's, I think that we find, we decide other people are helpless, right? Without us. We imagine that so. And then when we treat them that way, they become that way. Mm -hmm. That is is very true. We we can sometimes be the enabler. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, it doesn't feel like loving at the time when you're cutting your friend off. But it is because you're saying like, I believe in you. I think that you can take care of this. I don't think you need me. So I'm going to cut you loose and let you do that. And like, I think that I have never seen myself perform as many miracles as when (laughs) I have nobody else to help me. And like, you know, $10 in the bank. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen because the rent's going to get paid and everything's going to be fine. And you do it, you know, you do it. You make it happen. You make it happen. 
So for those of you who are listening, in addition to carving some time out to really get to address your emotions and understand like your feelings and everything around the way you react and use money, you also need to say, learn how to say no, you know, and you can be nice about it. You know, I'm sorry, I can't. Or you can just be like, you know what? Hell no, not today. That does not work for me anymore. <laughs> I'm not your ATM. Get your life. Whatever you whatever you need to say, you can send a text message, right? Send it with snail mail. No, I cannot. But it's one of those things you have to start practicing and putting yourself first. So Zena, I wanted to ask, because we had had this conversation like very high level in class and we were talking about getting to the point where you feel deserving of something. So how do you now, knowing everything you know now, right? And where you are, the space you are with how you're relating to your finances and your emotions around money. How do you get to the point where you feel deserving of something, um, you know, specifically around financial success and financial wellness? You know, I think something that really helped me is an exercise that we did in our class together that helped me so much. So recently, Bola and I had uh, a professor, Maury, I think I can't pronounce her last name. It's pretty long. Um, she came to teach us negotiation uh, unit in our business incubator. And one of the exercises we did, we we're basically assigned a role as a buyer or seller and given very limited facts about an object that we had for sale. And we went into these positions, um, seeing how much, how much we asked for from someone as a buyer or as a seller. Um, and the, at the end of the exercise, all of our results were published and we saw where we fell in the group mm -hmm. <laughs> um, between the top, the person who sold it for the most and the person who sold it for the least and the person who was, who was willing to spend the most and the person who was willing, not willing to spend very much. And in that exercise, not only did I get paired with like the most soft-spoken, <laughs> sweetest, least aggressive person in the entire <laughs> class. <laughs> by far, I noticed like before we even started the exercise, I looked at her and I said, I think this is going to go by very quickly. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and then we started the exercise. And in the exercise, I, she asked me, how much do you want for this? And instead of me saying, well, how much are you willing to pay? You know, get some information, gauge something from the other client. I was so uncomfortable discussing money, right? That I wanted, that I just yelled out a number that I thought was fair, which was nowhere near the top of the value of this object, which by the way, we were taught <laughs> right before the interaction, <laughs> ask for the most, you know, this is a negotiation. You want to start high and work backwards, but don't be unreasonable. And in any case, I asked for like three, like, anyway, let's just say the, the item got sold between 10000 and $21,000 in this exercise. That was the range of prices. And I sold mine for 10500 because the very first price I asked for was so low. And what I learned in that interaction was, I was looking at the situation like how can my objective in the situation was for both of us to be happy, both of us to make a deal and for 
us to both feel like we were treated fairly and to have a good feeling at the end of it. And so I never at any point in the negotiation did I think about I'm advocating for myself, right? Mm -hmm. That's number one thing I learned. The number two thing I learned was that I decided there needed to be an exchange. I wasn't willing to be patient and hold out for what I thought I was worth because I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So I bring up those things in terms of deserving because when you, the first thing you have to realize is that you are an advocate for yourself and that there's nothing wrong with that. And to be deserving, you have to understand everyone's job is to take care of themselves. Everyone else is doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So why would you, one person be taking care of five or six people? And those all, all those people are just taking care of themselves. You see what I'm saying? Like, you have to embrace the logic that we are here to take care of ourselves first. That's exactly. just nature. That's nature. And that's what we teach our children. We, we're preparing our children to be able to take care of themselves when we're no longer here so that they can do the same thing for their own kids. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the other thing I always remind myself when I find myself trying to um, diminish my own worth I always pretend that I am one of my sisters or my own best friend. And I think about what I would say to that person in that situation. Because when a friend of mine comes up to me and says, you know, I've been working so hard at this job and I, they give me more and more responsibilities, but I haven't gotten a raise. And then, you know, somebody quit and I'm doing two people's job. It's so clear to me, hey, wait, you're so valuable. You're doing two people's job. Of course you're worth X amount of money, Y amount of money. So a trick I do with myself when I feel like I'm not giving myself enough value is I pretend I'm talking to someone else <sighs> and I talk to myself and I, you know, and I distance myself from myself by, by, uh, you know, treating myself like I would a friend. And often I find we treat, we talk to ourselves in a way we would never talk to somebody else. I would never say the things I say to myself to somebody else ever. <laughs> Um, so that's a trick. And I actually learned there is a lot of research lately. This is going to sound really insane, but this is true. <laughs> I've heard this from like three or four scientific, scientific, um, studies have shown that when you do self-talk, when you want to encourage yourself or really get positive results of self-talk, like you're doing affirmations, like you're saying, um, Bolo, we got this Bolo. This is what we're going to do today. That when you talk in second person and use your first name, that it is much more effective than saying, I'm going to get this done today. I can do this. When you say, when you talk to yourself in second person, that actually works more. It's a fact. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even know that stat, but I actually do that. And I talk to myself a lot and, you know, I talk to myself in my car. I'm like, listen, Bolo, today you have to get serious. <laughs> and get this work done today you have to make sure you complete x y and z like i talk to myself i even write in my journal like dear bola <laughs> not all the time but sometimes you're a natural and that's why you're the wildly efficient woman that i know <laughs> but i really do think that's true and i want to say one more thing about being deserving and like what we think about ourselves like it goes really really deep it goes so much deeper than we realize. There's so much that happens before we can even speak. And there's so many memories that we have that we don't, you know, we're not conscious of. Mm -hmm. And all of the thought leading thought leaders who are, who teach us about self-empowerment education, the ones I listen to anyway, always end up talking about the subconscious. Um, 
And something that I learned recently about the subconscious uh, or about memories that we hold, and this is another wild, wild thing I learned recently is um, this neuroscientist, Srini Pillai, he was talking about how they recently, a few scientists recently did a study where they injected a GIF image into the DNA of E. coli and they injected the E. coli into another organism and wanted to see if they could take, pull out that imagery. The image was of uh, wild horses running Mm -hmm. and they were able to recover 90% of that image from the DNA of the organism that they implanted the E. coli with. And what that means is our, our DNA can store images, which means the implications of that are the possibility that whatever our lineage has gone through, whatever grief or suffering our ancestors have been through is very literally stored as memory within yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And that's why I know there's like a lot of, you know, I bring up that's the very science. Deep. It's very deep, but I think it's, it just, I just want people to know that it's when you're hitting your head against a wall, there's some there might be trauma or grief that's just there. You were born with it. And I say that to empower you because there are a lot of ways of learning about that grief. There's, you know, hypnosis, there's cognitive behavioral theory. Um, If you want to do something that isn't necessarily as woo-woo as, you know, tarot reading or healing or some of the other things that I'm more interested in. But I, I say that because it's not, it's not our fault that this is so difficult. It's not always so easy and it's not always so obvious because I know I, I know I know what to do, you know, but that doesn't mean I always do it. And getting to the place where you are beating yourself up about it, it's just not helpful. That's never helped anyone. No, it, it keeps you stuck and you don't make any progress. And just along the lines of what you said about, you know, one of the things that I struggle with personally is just... And it's it's funny for me to say this as a financial educator, given what I do. <laughs> and it's something that I'm, you know, it's a work in progress for me. But one of the things, you know, it's when it comes to being deserving. One of my things is that I, I tend to struggle with just being comfortable with the money that I do have. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's. And I haven't actually ever shared this. I've kind of shared this. You know, I talked about somewhere on this podcast that it took me about 10 months to share my story of saving $100,000 when I first graduated Mm -hmm. from college. And that was because one of my friends knew this story, one of my really close friends. And she's like, why don't you talk about this? This is something that you've done that I'm sure the women in your community want to learn about. And it just took everything for me to write that blog post. It took everything for me to talk about it on my podcast. And now I'm comfortable sharing that story. But there's other financial successes that I've, I have. There are many of them that I just haven't gotten to that point where I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to you guys about how much money I have. Or I'm going to talk to you guys about this, this, and this, because it's just, I'm, I'm one of those people that I hate to I hate for to be in a space and someone says, oh my God, look at your handbag. So amazing. That must have cost you a lot of money because I just, mm. I'm not comfortable with that feeling. I don't feel, it's kind of like feeling deserving of, of that thing. Like I know that I worked hard for it. I know that I paid for it in cash. I know that, you know, all these things, but it's just like, 
I don't know how to explain it if I'm even getting this. No, I, this is like a confessional I, for me, guys. <laughs> but it's well, just, it's, it's a struggle there for me. <laughs> no, I, you know, I have to say, like, I think it's really, it's really important to talk about that because I have a younger, I have two younger sisters and the youngest sister is particularly charismatic. She's a very charming person. She's a people person. I swear she like popped out of my mom knowing how to pose for a picture. Like it's just, she's just wildly charismatic. And she told me a long time ago as a kid, she was like, whenever I was around my friends, when we were drawing or dancing or whatever we do, I never wanted to do it the best I could because I was afraid that I would make other people feel bad. (laughs) You know, but it's the same thing that you're sort of saying is like, maybe the idea that someone you know, when you, when you buy luxury bags, when you buy nice things that make you feel good, it's, it's a status symbol, you know, it's like a symbol of like a certain level of achievement. And I think that what you're saying is you're not comfortable being seen in a higher status than other people, because it's like the sort of attention that like draw, you know, it differentiates you maybe, or, I you think know, that's it separates- exactly. Because when I was a kid, when I was younger, I was all about it. Like even when, you know, in college, I was all about it. Attention is me and I was attention. But then as I've gotten older and I've kind of gotten to see what the standards of the world are, it's almost Mm -hmm. like you try to fit in a little bit when you know that you don't necessarily need to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't say that to sound arrogant. I'm just sharing, you know, and for me, it's almost like when I meet someone, for me to bring you into my space, for you to learn more about me, for you to even come to my house, <laughs> you're going to climb like 17 mountains, <laughs> go through 36 valleys. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like, I think it's really, really funny. It's like, I have all of these um, friends who who have had really difficult childhoods. Like, you know, they lost their parents really early or they have no relationship with their parents and they suffered from abuse or whatever. My parents are together, right? And I talk to them all the time. And we all have our stories about our parents and there's difficult things. But like, I was like, became embarrassed at some point to like tell people that I had a normal, healthy family because it almost seemed like, um, I think... I think there's something that people really romanticize struggle. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, I really don't have anything. I'm like a, this starving artist. I'm like this young business owner who has no income. And I think there's something about... I'm living um, in my car. I lived right. in my car until I became a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, right. And so when you're really comfortable, it's almost like you don't want to tell people that you don't struggle or something like you don't want to be like, just so you know, I don't struggle. Yeah. I don't you know. I'm struggle. What is that? <laughs> yeah. And it, it makes you feel like you might alienate other people or something when you tell them that you, that you have like a healthy aspect of your life. <laughs> like you're, you're healthy in some way. And I think that that's another thing that we do one as, as women, but also as people who actually, who really deal with lots of kinds of people, right? Like Mm -hmm. you and I talk to a lot of different people. Um, that's not true for everybody. Not a lot of people mix it up with people who have earned different or have different careers. So we're sensitive to how we might 
make someone else feel. I, I just right? feel like I went through a therapy session with you. Like, honestly, <laughs> this is like an extension of our class conversations. Cause ladies, me and Zena, we can have these, like every time I talk to her in class, I feel like, you know, I'm like shedding some, I'm like becoming a new person. But what you said is it kind of like, <laughs> it hit the nail on the coffin. It's that in truth, I want to remain relatable. Right. Because there are times where people have, maybe people may feel like, and I get that all the time, even when people who still read that $100,000 story talk about, oh, well, I can't relate to that. Your mom paid your student loans. I can't relate to that. You got a job that was paying you $50,000 when you graduated. Like, you know, I get that and it makes me not relatable. But one thing I keep reminding myself, and I have shared a little bit more like on social media, on Instagram, I do share a little, a little bit here and there. I feel like I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to share a lot and not care. Um, yeah. But but I definitely do feel like I try to be relatable. And I do think that I am relatable because this, none of anything I have was handed to me. Yes, my my mom paid my student loans um, and that is a gift. So let's just say, okay, that was handed to me. I got a college education from my mother, but everything else after that, and I have friends who had everything right they never had to spend a dime of their own money they make a ton of money and they have zero in savings they have zero in investments they mm-hmm. never have they never have money after today but they make 10 times more money than me i know people like that but i feel like none of that was hand i know that none of that was handed to me and that makes me relatable because i feel like for a lot of women who are going through an experience right now and are facing a block as to how do they overcome this to be able to get to that point where they're comfortable with their money. I've been in that space and I've had to sacrifice stuff. I've had to give up stuff. I've had to do things I didn't want to do, you know, after college, um, in between looking for a job and something I don't even share in between looking for a job and, um, graduating before I got my first job. I had a job at CVS. I worked at the photo department printing ridiculous pictures. <laughs> and I was getting paid like $7 an hour. I didn't yeah. have to do that because, you know, the first six months after I graduated, I was at home, you know, living with my parents before I bought my first place. But at the same time, I was like, I need to make money because I just read David Back's book and I want to be a smart woman who finishes rich. So... <laughs> But, you know, like, well, I have to say, like, everything you're saying is, you know, it's like, it's really hard when you're sensitive. As women, it's easier for us in a lot of ways to read um, other people and their emotions. And I think like what you're saying is like, there are certain things of yourself. It's like, you know, on the one hand, you don't want to share that you're working at CVS instead of seven dollars an hour. On the other hand, you feel bad because you have a really nice handbag and you don't want p- to draw too much attention. Yeah. You know, it's like you're trying to please all the people all the time. And guess what? That makes making decisions Harder. really, really hard. It's yeah. impossible. There's too much information. We do it to That's ourselves. Yeah, I learned that about myself too because I have a really. I've always always like you know you're so indecisive, and then I thought about it through my therapist and learn like, you know, it's not that I'm so indecisive. It's that I want to make sure I'm considering how I'm going to affect every other person around me. And guess what? That's just not, it's not my job. The universe will take care of that if that's your belief system. And if your belief system has nothing to do with the universe, then you're still here to take care of you. Exactly. And it's not possible. (laughs) It's completely impossible. It's not possible to make all those people happy anyway. So I bring that up because Another thing I learned about why it's so hard for us to make changes 
if you can't tell, I listen to a lot of a lot of podcasts and scientific <laughs> studies. Um, is because um, a way that our brain tries to get us to preserve energy is it 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 creates shortcuts for us. And what I mean by that is like, if you've ever noticed that you can't remember if you brought your keys or if you unlock the door, that's because your brain turns off and you do all the things that you need to do. 50% of what we do is habit. Mm-hmm. And when we want to change a habit, um, our brain does this, and this is actually really relevant to a lot of the things you've been sharing. Our brain often, um, something that I learned is that we, we often hold two or three different emotions or beliefs at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's really uncomfortable for us, but our brain would rather stay doing the thing that's draining us and holding us back than shift into doing something unknown. Like we'll do anything to not to do something that is unfamiliar to us. Like whatever it is, like we'd rather eat something that makes us feel like trash than try to learn what it might be like to do something else, no matter what that something else is. Mm -hmm. We'll do something that hurts us forever um, to avoid the pain of shift, of changing gears, of shifting. Um, And I just bring that up because so much of what you and I are talking about is about how like we hold like these five or six different beliefs and like, what would it take for us to just really teach ourselves? Like, you know what, Bola, like there's nothing wrong with sharing with people, um, the hardest parts of your life and the best parts of your life. Um, why don't you just shed that idea that people will judge you because you know, that's not helping you and it's not true. And it's like, the simple act of change is pain is painful for us. Like that is pain. The chaos in our brain that occurs when we think about it is the pain. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, And I'm, I'm totally learning that. Like, I feel like it becomes magnified when you put yourself out there the way I do with clever girl finance. And I started learning very quickly (laughs) that (laughs) I can't give a damn what people think. Obviously sometimes I get stuck in my emotions or I get stuck in my feelings about, oh, you know, that hurt. Why would somebody say that? But when I think, you know, the way I operate and this is what I do when I'm saving money is like I even though I may be shy to say, oh, I have this thing, I have those things because I've saved all this money is that when I'm in that space, when I'm trying to save money, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks about what I'm doing, about how much time I'm spending working, about any of that stuff to to do what I need to do to get where I'm trying to go. And so when I think about now being putting myself on this platform, I'm putting myself out there yes sometimes I get caught up in my emotions okay maybe I shouldn't share this and I'm working through what I share and how much I share and it's getting easier for me but when I think about the grand scheme of what it is I'm trying to accomplish with this business I really don't give a damn what people think especially if they're not for it so it's like I'm finding my balance but I'm learning as I go and you know I'm definitely a different person than I was two years ago or three years ago you know and it's it's an experience and it's a process and I I think for those of you who are listening especially when it comes to turning your finances around and paying off debts saving money getting to that point where you're feeling like yes I'm comfortable with where I am financially in the process on the journey it's okay to feel those emotions but you have to think about the bigger picture and you cannot give a damn about what the world is thinking about you while you're working towards your big dream otherwise you're not going to get anywhere and like you said Zena it is 
not our job to take care of the universe, <laughs> to take care of the entire world. <laughs> we try to do it as women, but you know, it's past our capacity. We have to yeah. focus on self for a little bit before we take care of the universe. And also, I just want to say this because you are the third person that I've heard. Like, I really admire, I have a couple of people I really, really admire. One person is you. Another person is um, this woman I know who made this workbook that's, her name is Sarah Gottesdiener, and she designed this workbook um, that helps you work with the moon and um, in all the different phases so that you, it's really all about self-love and self-empowerment. And another one is this... um, woman I know, Ashley, who, um, does this really incredibly strange work where she, um, she uses her intuition to find an image in her mind that, well, she talks with you for a while and thinks about what your life path would be. And she does work with her intuition and then chooses an image that she finds would be fitting to hand poke tattoo into her client that heals them as she tattoos them. And I bring up these three people because you, Ashley and Sarah, because everyone is like, look at these wildly successful women. Like this woman's book, this is her third year printing it. It's self-published and she sells out of it. This other woman is only 20, is not even 30 years old. And her service, her tattoo service is booked out with a waiting list of five years in New York. Um, you know, this woman has a viral video about saving a hundred thousand dollars, you know, in four years and a very limited income. And I, everyone I know is like, wow, look how amazing these people are. I just want to be like them. Their life is a dream. And all three of you I know have faced, you know, trolling and people writing to my friend, Sarah, about, oh, you misspelled something on page four. (laughs) And with Ashley, people are telling her, you're not a real tattoo artist. You don't know anything about tattoo culture. Just so you know, like real tattoo culture is like this. And, you know, half of us are out there idealizing um, these people who have quote unquote succeeded because we think they have no struggle. You know, we think that every day is just like you roll out of bed and like, you know, sun glistens through your curtains and your whole day is like a Disney movie, you know, like that's how half of us treat these people we look up to. And the other half are finding out, well, you don't deserve that. I deserve that. So let me tell you why you don't deserve what you have, you know, and both of those things are false. It's not a nice thing to do to people to put them on a pedestal because it makes it so they feel like they're not allowed to have a human experience when you put them on a pedestal. And when you tear someone down, like what I find anyway, it's just a way of saying like, Bola, what you did um, must be through some kind of miracle or something you got that was handed to you. And that's the only way I can understand why you have something I don't. Because it's not my fault that I didn't save X, Y, or Z. It's mine. It's your fault. It has, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are the two ways people react to someone's success. Yeah, people will project their self-limitation on you. (laughs) (laughs) And people will also project their biggest dreams and everything on you. And, you know, you can never fail them because if you dare fail them. (laughs) Right. Then you shatter their illusion. You shatter their fantasy. Like if someone were to fight. And it's 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 what we do to people, you know, and you're you kind of fall into one of the two camps, I find. And I usually put people on a pedestal. 
And that's why I go out of my way to talk to people about what's really going on with them. And a lot of times, like I find that sharing the sharing the best parts of your life or what you find the easiest, most aligned, most wonderful successes and sharing those dips, like, or the things that bring you shame, like that's really, that's what really magnetizes people because yeah. they see like, that's not your job. They see like Bola did it. Like if Bola, Bola did it, why can't I do it? In fact, she's willing to teach me how she did this thing. And also, wow, Bola struggles. So that makes her a real person, you know, like, and I, I just have to say that because like, it's shocking to me, the trolling <laughs> oh scary. yeah, you know, like I, I think I've when I first started Clever Girl Finance, it was shock. I was so I was like, oh my god, what? I'm such a nice person. Yeah. But now, <laughs> <laughs> now I've gotten used to it. I'm like, you know what? Say whatever you want to say. You know, I'm not for everybody, and everybody's not for me. And at the end of the day, you are not going to deter me from my goal. You are not going to be yeah. the reason <laughs> why I don't accomplish what I want to accomplish. So I'm okay with the trolls now. In fact, I love you all. <laughs> so Zina, let me ask you, you know, let's talk about your dreams and your ambitions about your financial well-being. I want to know what do you want to accomplish with your finances? Where do you want to go with money? And I know we've talked about, you know, the emotions, um, you know, feeling deserving. We've talked about all these different things, but like when you put all that aside now and you're just thinking about where you want to get to with your finances, right? Not thinking about the emotion that you're, you're going to deal with, <laughs> not thinking about all the other stuff. How do you imagine things for yourself? Um, well, my financial dreams are one, just, I, I built up a little bit of debt while I was building my business. So I want that gone. Two is, you know, I live in New York and I have been in this house for 11 years. And one of my dreams is, you know, I've got like three roommates and I love everyone dearly that I have share space with, but my dream is just to have a space that's my own, um, one so that I can have, a space that's creative and for work and another space that's for rest because it's really hard to work out of your home if you don't have those two spaces. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I want to start understanding that money is freedom. You know, I really want to embrace that idea. So my financial vision is to have enough money saved so that I can comfortably and happily go on a few short trips a year. Like I'm talking weekend trips here, mm -hmm. domestic weekend trips and one really long, I want to travel. Um, and to me, just being able to do that um, and have a, you know, a decent salary for myself out of my job, because I don't have a regular salary right now. That would make neither, that would neither make, do I, girl. We're building businesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the lights are on. We paid the bills. And the people who work for me get paid. I'm happy. But yeah, that's my dream is to just have that stability, you know? Mm. And other people have it, so it's totally something we can do. You know, it's not unreasonable. Um but yeah, that's my those are my financial goals right now. Oh my god. So you may not realize this, but you answered that question perfectly. Um, and you, you know, and the reason why I say that is because, and I'm going to challenge everybody listening to take time out and answer that question for yourself, because 
a lot of people, when they think about their financial goals, they're tied to a lot of standards, standards in the mm. world that say, okay, by 30, I should be married. By 40, I should have a million dollars. By 50, I should be Beyonce. Whatever those standards <laughs> of the world are, people tie themselves to these standards. And I can't tell you how many times I've asked people that question and I've gotten, oh, well, I know that I need to have money saved for retirement of about $2 million. So that's my financial goal. No, your financial goals are what is going to enable you to live life. They should be what's going to enable you to live life on your own terms and a life that is truly going to make you content and satisfied and happy about where you are and looking into your bank account, whatever that amount is, that's going to get you to that place where you feel like, yes, comfortable, then that is what you want to wrap your financial goals around. So I love how, I love how you answer that question. Thank you. <laughs> so, just before we wrap up, I want to know what is your Clever Girl superpower? So I think my Clever Girl superpower is that I'm not afraid to go deeper, clearly. <laughs> I always want to go deeper. And I think it it, I give the space for other people to feel safe to go there with me. And, um, so my, my superpower is holding space for people to be themselves. And yeah, it's something that's, it's the one thing, one of the few things that's really easy for me and I can do it abundantly. It doesn't drain me at all. I love it. It energizes me when people share and go deep with me. So yeah, that's it. And I 100% agree because, so for those of you who are listening, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, Zina and I are in the same business incubator, but we're also in the same growth group. And basically what that is, is we are in small groups. Um, we've all been split up into into small groups and me and Zina are in the same small group. And I love all the women in our, in our incubator. There's 34 of us, I think, right? Yeah. But Zina, you're the person that has the most calm when it comes to dealing with my crazy and you probably know that I can be, <laughs> you know, I call my, I, I'm an introvert in the sense that I like to spend time by myself. But when I get that burst of energy to be, when I build up that burst of energy to be able to be social and outside, then I'm a lot of person. And I feel like you bring, you bring a lot of balance. Like we, Zine and I were recently partners where we were, we're working on building something called the growth plan and we had to review each other's growth plans. And when when I read like your comments and your feedback on mine, I just felt this calm and you're like, Bola, this is great. Calm down. <laughs> you you give people that space and you are such a great listener and you're very open and honest and I appreciate about appreciate that about you. Well, thank you so much for saying that. But I also want to tell you, my perception of you is that you're very calm. You don't ever seem out of control to me. Um, you never seem extra to me at all. I always feel like you are excited, but very um, held together. So I just want to remind your listeners out there and also you that oftentimes how we perceive ourselves is colored in a different way than other people, than how other people perceive us. So I just want to tell you that I'm holding up a mirror for you to see what's already there. That's, that's probably coming from me just talking to myself too much. Ah, <laughs> oh, but you have to. But this has been so great. Um, 
you know, I appreciate you spending the time. This has been a lovely conversation and I'd love for you to share how people can keep in touch with you and where they can find you. And a ton of my audience is actually in New York City. So I want you to share the, the address and location of your store, too. Okay, great. So um, the way that I am most active and I can be most easily found is on Instagram. If you're active on Instagram, our Instagram handle is shop myths of creation and myths is plural M Y T H S of creation. And then I also have a website, which is MythsofCreation.com. Again, the word myths is plural and we are located in Brooklyn on the Graham stop off the L train. And our address is 421 Graham as in Graham cracker, Graham Avenue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I very much look forward to hearing from you guys and I'd love to field any questions or if you have any questions about the resources that we listed or, um, things that have helped me totally feel free to contact me on any of those platforms. Awesome. And I'll be including all that detail in the show notes, as well as some of the podcasts you had mentioned you listened to earlier. So thank you so much, Senia. This has been so awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Xenia. I had a great time recording it and I always love talking to her. And if you did enjoy listening in, please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and also subscribe and listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube and search Clever Girl Finance. And if you have a few minutes, please, please stop by iTunes and leave a review of the podcast so other people can find it as well. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll be back with a brand new episode soon. Mm-hmm.